This episode of Unreasonable Down is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people in the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released, and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. And that's so important, especially in the airport. You got multiple bags, bringing them into the airport. It's nice to have that hookup system to put the small bag with the big bag so you're not flailing around. You have your hands ready to go. DB is making it happen. And I'm teaming up with DB to exclusively offer my listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10, P-O-D-1-0, or going to the link in my show notes. DB! It's time to move on. Time to get going. I'm not going to raise my voice. Yes! I'm really good at basketball for a puppet. What just happened? I drank your milkshake. What's up with those shorts? It's either super good or super bad. Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, starts now. We're here. We finally made it. Well, not all the way. It's a preseason. Hello from the Dyer Prime Studio in Nitro, West Virginia. This is Unreasonable Doubt. It's a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt, and it's preseason episode one. Goodbye offseason. Longest part of the year. <laughs> Most boring as a fan part of the year offseason. And hello preseason, which can be the most exciting part of the year if the team doesn't play well. If it's a bad season, then we peak in preseason because there's zero and zero. And I don't know about you, but most people are typically optimistic before the games are played. But preseason, we're here. By the end of this month, we're going to have an exhibition game to watch. And one flip of the calendar, we're starting the 2021 2022 season. And so, To fuel that excitement, and I'm so excited. You know what? Let's just do a bunch of player profiles. If you've listened to this podcast during the offseason and preseason, I'll sprinkle in some player profiles. One here, two there. You know what? Let's get all of the rest of the player profiles out there. So I've got nine I'm going to go through this episode. You want to listen to the other ones. They're sprinkled throughout the offseason. Nine players, going to break them up in groups with three. The first three I'm going to talk about are the backbone players. These are the guys with the most experience on the team. And I'm talking about Taz Sherman, Sean McNeil, Gabe Osaboyan. These guys have played the most minutes. These guys have played two full seasons with Bob Huggins in Morgantown. This is the last ride for Taz Sherman and Gabe who took that extra COVID season, and they're going to play this season. Sean McNeil, he has a COVID season in his pocket. 
so he can play this year and then come back next season for a fifth season. Will he do that? Too early to tell. We'll find out. But let's start player profiles with Taz Sherman. Taz Sherman fit the profile when we was talking about him last preseason. Who's going to make a jump? Bob Huggins, guards from junior college. They make a jump in their second season with Huggy Bear. And Taz did that. Played more, took on the sixth-man role, and uptick in minutes, uptick in offensive production. And the key to that is that Taz Sherman got to the foul line more last season. He improved his driving to the basket, especially late, getting fouled, getting to the free throw line, where Taz Sherman is excellent. Shoots 87% from the free throw line. You look at his shooting numbers from year one to year two, they got incrementally better across the board. Field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throws, all got a little bit better. And Taz Sherman last season was second-half Taz. Part of the closing five, he was in there getting buckets. And I went through his stat line. 64% of his points came in the second half and the overtimes in all the games. He had one game where he was double-digit points in the first half. He had 11 games where he had 10 or more points in the second half. So Taz rarely started, but he was definitely in the game at the end. Taz's best game, you could argue it was the Baylor game. You could argue that it was the Kansas game. But I would say Taz's best game was the game at TCU. Stupid frog court. You're familiar with the court. It's really dumb. It's a gray lizard skin. Derek Culver, great first half. But Taz Sherman was the closer in a place where West Virginia struggled to win lately. Taz Sherman, 23 points, 15 in the second half, 8 of 9 from the free throw line, 3 assists, 1 turnover. That was his best game. And he had other highlights throughout the season. Again, he had the six-man role last year. The question this season, is Huggins going to keep him in that six-man role where he's getting, you know, still getting plenty of minutes, but starting from the bench, kind of channeling Jay Sean Page, Or will Huggins start three guards with Taz beside Sean McNeil and another guard in the starting five? My guess is that Huggins, if Taz is comfortable with that, he's going to stick with that six-man role. Because he obviously, again, Huggins has him in at the end of games, provides an offensive spark plug, in that second half and that he doesn't have to start to contribute for this team, but fifth year guy been with the program. This is now his third year. Huggins may say, I want my, my five best guys on the floor at the beginning of the game. And if he does that, then Taz Sherman is definitely one of the five best guys on the team. I'm expecting more of the same from Taz Sherman. If he does what he did last year, maybe improve defensively, probably going to be asked to handle the ball a little bit more this year. And if he can do those things competently and 
continue with getting to the line and shooting the ball better, incrementally better this season, then that's a good season for Taz Sherman, and that's going to help WVU be successful. Second backbone guy, Sean McNeil. Not going to do a pretend nickname. Sean McNeil had a jump in minutes, jump in his points per game. Across the board, those increased. They only increased, though, when you really dig down, they only increased his his points per game and the other stats were because he played more. Kind of did the same things he did in year one, just had more opportunity to play more because he was in the starting lineup a bunch. But if you look at one thing from his stats and from his his second season compared to his first season, his three-point percentage jumped. And that may surprise some of you. Like, oh, I remember wanting Sean McNeil not to be in the starting lineup early in the year. Hey, get Taz in there. Year one for Sean McNeil, he shot 33% from three. Year two, 39%. So he started cold, but in February, Sean McNeil, spicy. Seven February games, Sean McNeil had 52% shooting from the floor, 48% from three. So February definitely bumped his numbers up. But you can't have too much of a good thing. And too many Sean McNeil shots last season in a game was a bad thing. When Sean shot 10 or more times, WVU's record in those 15 games, they were 7-8. and eight. So losing record when Sean McNeil took 10 or more shots. When Sean McNeil had less than 10 shots, WVU was 12 and 2. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Other than to say, WVU fared better when they weren't leaning on Sean McNeil to score the, the ball. You know, uh, equated to cooking. Too much salt, not great. Ah, this is too salty. The right amount of salt, necessary in a great dish. And so we need the, the proper seasoning of Sean McNeil if we're, if we're looking at last year's, <laughs> if, we, if we look at last year's stats, uh, this season it may be the same thing where we need the right amount of Sean McNeil. And if he's gunning, then that might not be a good thing for WBU. So, I've got Sean McNeil penciled in as part of the starting lineup. I don't know why that wouldn't be the case. Do we know what Sean McNeil is? How many more shots will he get with Deuce out of the lineup? And it's there for the taking. I would want Taz and Sean to kind of take the bulk of those, but we'll see what Malik Malik Curry adds. Kedrian Johnson might want some of that production. So we'll see what happens. Uh, But third-year Sean McNeil, can we see across-the-board improvements and just being more efficient? And like with everybody, can he play defense better in year three? The third guy in the backbone, guys, is not – we don't have to worry about defense. It's Gabe Osaboyan. In my mind, 
Gabe is the spiritual leader of the team. Like, I don't know how vocal he is as a leader, but he's probably one of the oldest guys. This is his third year on the team. He's a role player. He knows his role. Gabe is the best defensive player on the team until proven otherwise. First team all Big 12 defense. Gabe, when you look at Ken Palm, number 10 in the country in steal percentage. Takes charges, going to give you 100%. Like, always hustling. We know what Gabe is. Offensively, we also know what Gabe is. And what's great about Gabe is that he knows what he is offensively, right? I would argue, and this is not a great reflection of the roster, and hopefully somebody kind of bumps Gabe from this spot, but Gabe is one of the best passers on the team. Our role player defensive guy, like he's one of the best passers. Uh, I don't think that's great for the team, but it's good for Gabe, and I'm glad that that's how he contributes offensively. He doesn't shoot a lot, and he'll break out. Now, when he does shoot, it's always exciting. Like He will break out double and sometimes triple <laughs> pump fakes in the air before he attempts a layup. Does it look graceful? No. Does it go in sometimes? Sometimes it goes in. But he's not great at shooting, and Gabe, and we know that, and Gabe knows that. He shoots 34% from the floor. My man gets to the foul line, and it's not good. He shot under 40% last season. And he knows this, and so with this knowledge, from year one with WVU to year two, Gabe took half as many shots. (laughs) He's like... Guys, I know I can't shoot either. Took way less shots. And still, great contributor to the team. Now, I think we're going to get, we know what Gabe is, right? I think we're going to get more of what we know of Gabe Osaboyan. I can't imagine he'll shoot less than last season. So it's, I'd be shocked if he didn't shoot a little bit more in his final year with WVU. And what can he improve? Well, on offense, sometimes the defense gives him like five feet. And so Gabe's first instinct, as the stats show, is like, I'm going to pass the ball. And he could pass it. He went one of the best entry pass guys into in the past, Derek Culver and Oscar. I don't know who that person is now. So they're still going to give him a few feet sometimes opposing teams so what can he do with that space because he's going to be able to dribble and can he finish or can he find somebody on the perimeter maybe somebody cutting that's what he can improve is his decision making when the defense gives him that disrespectful five feet what can he do with that to make a successful play but we know what he is he's going to play hard he's a fan favorite and I think he's the leader of the team. And maybe somebody else will emerge as that guy, but that's an important role. And if your leader is a hard worker and great defensively and always hitting the floor, taking charges, 
then I think that's a good spot for this team with all the turnover. All right, three down, six more to go. Three more player profiles and random thoughts coming up. Dyer Prime is the lead sponsor of Unreasonable Doubt. You know, other companies are springing up trying to take advantage of the name Dyer Prime. And I get it. Dyer Prime, veteran-owned, family-owned company. They can help you with your design needs. Put your design on t-shirts, hats. They embroider things. It's a great company. Unfortunately, people are not as creative trying to come up with their brands. So, there's a company called Dyer Grime, and they do cleanup work. I don't know how well they do cleanup work. They can't do what Dyer Prime can do for you. So don't get it confused. Go with the best. Call or text Dyer Prime, 304-767-4445. Find them on Facebook or Instagram at Dyer Prime. Random thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Our next three player profiles, let's call these guys the possible Jalen Bridges backups. These are guys that can give us minutes in the swingman role, maybe play some four. First guy, Tosh Thweet. Second year with the program this upcoming season. Did not play a lot last year. Spot minutes during conference play and got garbage time in the early part of the season. Let's just say when Taj was in the game, he was gunning. (laughs) Like he was firing. He got the ball and he was trying to do something with it. So I actually don't know if he's like an undersized power forward or if he's a perimeter guy. It's hard to tell in those garbage minutes. But second year on the team, looks like a Huggins player. Maybe he's your first guy you think of as possibly getting some spot minutes to back up Jalen Bridges. The other two are new guys. We got James Okongwo. He's from England. He's six foot nine. He's a freshman. And he's super young. Skipped two years of high school. He actually could have been in the 2023 recruiting class. Skip the two years, going to college. And so when you hear that, you're like, okay, well, obviously, welcome, James, but definitely we're going to redshirt you because you're super young. And that was the assumption. And yet Huggins in the preseason press conference said, you know who's playing really good is, is Okongwu. And I don't know if I can redshirt him as well as he's playing. So what does that mean? It's early, but the Doogie Hauser <laughs> of the basketball team, we may see him earlier than we expected. You've got to watch. WVU basketball has done a great thing with these five essential videos for each of the new guys coming in. And so the James Okongwo, it hit a lot of marks for me. He said his his favorite player is Kevin Garnett. That's a check. Love Kevin Garnett. He calls out all of his teammates on 
playing a video game, which is kind of a thing that, you know, competitive guys, but he named specific games and said that they're going to get soloed, which I don't know what that means, but that leads to my next thing that I loved is that he, in talking junk and just talking in general, he's from England and he's using slang, British slang, which is fantastic. You kind of got an idea, but you don't really. You know, they spell tire with a Y, and we spell tire with an I, and they call an apartment a flat and the tube and all that. So, you know, they have they have their language, and it's great to hear somebody speak that language. So I liked all of that stuff about James. I like that Huggins loves him. And so I'm excited to see him earlier than what we thought, and maybe he can give some minutes at that swing position. He's 6'9", so I don't know if that's if he could come in and actually be a power forward, but he's he's 15 or whatever. Can, can he get his learner's permit? I don't know. How, he's a young guy is what I'm saying. And then the third guy I don't know a lot about, Jamel King, 6'7", freshman from Alabama, and maybe he's the redshirt guy because I haven't heard a lot about him. He's on the roster. He, he was – highly respected in the in the scouting and recruiting arenas. But maybe if James is doing well and he's talking about him, then maybe Jamel is the redshirt guy. Or he's he takes the Taj role from last year where he contributes a little bit in garbage time in the early part of the season and then just kind of fades away. But I have no frame of reference with him other than he's 6'7". <laughs> That's close to how tall Jalen Bridges is, and maybe he can do some backup minutes. So this, this all all of my opinions of these three guys can change immediately by actually seeing them in the game and seeing them do really good, or maybe, all right, we need to wait a little bit because I just don't know a lot about any of these guys. So of this group, I think two of these three guys are going to contribute significant minutes to the team. In a gigantic roster, we need guys to give Jalen Bridges a break. And these are three guys that can maybe do that. And I think two of those three guys can fill that gap. We'll find out. Three more guys to go in final thoughts. Unreasonable Doubt is on the social media. On Instagram, at Unreasonable Doubt WV. On Twitter, at I'm Josh Witt. On Facebook, go to that search bar thing and type in Unreasonable Doubt. Do it! Interact with the show. Final thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. We're at the the final three player profiles. And let's just call this group the will we see them this year, guys? <laughs> I'm not saying we won't see them. I just don't know if we're going to see these guys. We've got two freshman guard coming in. Seth Wilson, Kobe Johnson. And then we've got Cinny Njai. Now, Cinny, we did see Cinny last year. And we probably weren't going to if Isaiah Cottrell 
didn't get injured. Like, if he doesn't get injured, then we don't see Sinny last year. But Isaiah got hurt. We see Sinny. He got some meaningful minutes and spots. But now we have Polly Polycap. This is the part of the podcast where I want to apologize to Damon Kerrigan. He's not like, you know, the shiny thing on a ring. He's not Diamond. He's Damon. So, Damon, you'll never listen to this. But if you do listen to this, my sincere apology. But we've got Damon. We've got Polly. Isaiah's back. So, I think that adds up to Sinny not seeing as much as Sinny. And he may get the rare redshirt sophomore season. But I may be wrong about that. But all signs point to Sinny kind of fading back a little bit the sophomore year. Seth Wilson and Kobe Johnson, I think they have a chance to get into the rotation, especially early on in the season. Because as we've talked about, we've got this gap at point guard that if it's point guard by committee, then maybe they don't make the floor. But if it's a defined Malik Curry, you're the point guard, we want to have Kedrian or somebody else take backup minutes from Malik Curry enter Seth Wilson or Kobe Johnson and, and or they could get a red shirt you know I have no idea <laughs> do you I don't know they're young guys and when you've got 15 scholarship guys I mean think about it the last few seasons Logan route on scholarship off scholarship back on. Like, there were years where we had a scholarship available and we could give it the Logan route. Uh, so that, that, and this time, like, uh, Jay Moore and Spencer Mackey, like walk-ons, we don't have room for walk-ons because we've got all these fifth-year guys. And I'm not, that's not a bad thing. But as far as figuring out how everybody on scholarship is going to play, I've just never heard of a 15-guy rotation. You know, maybe Huggins is a hockey guy, and he just does, like, (laughs) hockey lines. Like, Nolan Richardson used to do this. John Calipari will do this every once in a while. When Huggins is really mad, he'll do the line change. But maybe he goes three groups of five. And you just go crazy as long as you're out there. And then all five guys get a breather. I don't know. But this roster could do that. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying, we got plenty of guys. I don't know how it's going to work. Not everybody can get a ton of minutes. Uh, But Seth and Kobe have an opportunity because we are a little bit thinner at the guard position. So... That's why they're in this category. It's a question. Will we see them this year? (laughs) We may. So that's the roster. 15 guys all on scholarship. We've got seven new guys added to the team. There's so many possibilities. I'm going to have people on that know more than me as we get it closer to the season and get their thoughts on what this all looks like, what this new stew is going to bring. Is it going to taste funky 
or is it going to be dish of the year? We're going to find out very soon. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms or just pick one. It's on the Facebook now. Go to the Facebook podcast page for Unreasonable Doubt. Click where it says podcast and you can listen to podcast on the Facebook while you're, you know, putting your stuff on Marketplace or, you know, checking out your politics or whatever. You can also listen to this podcast on the Facebook. You can also listen on CastBox. Subscribe. If it doesn't say subscribe, hit follow wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Down. WVU for the 2021-2022 season. There's zero and zero.